Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. It is our goal every week to bring the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we pray that it changes your heart and provokes life change and action. God bless, and please listen from your heart. Enjoy. Glad you're here on Easter Sunday. Welcome to Friendship. Uh, We thank you for joining us for worship today. And if you are without a church home, we would love to have you join us for all of our broadcasts and all of our uh, times we gather together. Uh, It is is a great opportunity to connect and figure out why you're here. Uh, We're looking at today is our Easter Sunday, and we celebrate the life of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection. And on today, we know that He arose. He arose from the grave. So Matthew 28, Matthew 28 talks about what happens after Jesus is buried in that tomb. After He goes into a tomb, typically what happens when someone goes into a tomb, that's where their body stays, that's where they are. And uh, during their customs and practices and things that they do, they go in and anoint the body, prepare it for burial. And, and, you know, they have certain cultural things that they walk through and do. So those things were performed, and, and, and Jesus was in the tomb. And there came several circumstances to which the people who had, had sent him to that crucifixion, in their minds, wanted to make sure that he stayed there. So they positioned guards outside. And those guards put a seal on the tomb. And, and, you know, there was every protection measure that could have been given to ensure that, that nobody would steal his body, that nobody would take him, that, that, you know, everything would go according to plan to get this person, which they viewed Jesus as one who went against their practices, their religion, their, their customs. And he stole the spotlight from them. In other words, they were doing everything they could to defame Jesus when he was alive, bringing him to this point to where he was in the grave. And so at this point, we see in chapter 28, it says, Now after the Sabbath, as as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. There's something significant behind that. There's there's Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, and, and they both came to the grave. And what were they coming for? They were coming to see the body of Jesus. They were coming to do certain things as they were there. All of these things happen. All of these things transpire. And it's, and it's a severe earthquake. And, and, and all this had occurred. An angel of the Lord descended from heaven. And it sat upon the stone that had been put there to keep those from getting into Jesus' body along with the guards. And so... While that was there, it had rolled away, sat upon it, and his appearance was like lightning. Can you imagine what happened 
because of all of this. There is absolutely nothing you could have said. Oh, this is something else. Oh, this is like, uh, you know, there wasn't anything. There weren't any flashlights. There weren't any, any big production type things. There weren't any other reasonings behind what this could have been other than otherworldly or supernatural or something could have happened that's just unexplainable. So, so what happens in the midst of all of this? Verse 3, it says, And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing is white as snow. In verse 4, The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. So in other words, it scared them till they passed out. They, they didn't know what to do. It was overload, sensory overload, because they saw everything that was happening, and it scared them. Then the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for He has risen. Just as He said, Come see the place where He was lying. So, so those ladies were there. And they encountered all of this. And then the angel says, come and look. Okay, you know that Jesus was lying here. You know that he was crucified. You're looking for him in this grave. He's not here. You know, I think about it like a southern person. He ain't here. He done rose. The reality behind it is they came to see Jesus. And they found that the truth of Jesus had fully developed. Jesus had spoken with disciples and those others that were listening and said, What? Three days I'm coming back. There's no grave that's going to... Hold me. Three days later, I'm coming back and I will do everything and fulfill everything that I've said to you. And we understand that most that do say they're going to come back from the grave. In fact, absolutely do not. So, at that point, there was some instruction given to these two ladies. The instructions were, in verse 7, Go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead, and behold, He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see Him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to His disciples. Can you imagine the joy that those two ladies had upon finding out that the one who grieved their heart by his death as they were sorrow-filled, they heard with a, a determinate amount of voice, and, and they saw with their eyes, and they heard, they saw, and they were given instruction. They were given instruction, and with great joy and fear, they ran to tell the disciples. They couldn't wait to tell the disciples has there ever been some news in your life that you just couldn't wait to tell? You were so excited, so beside yourself that you just couldn't wait to tell somebody. 
you, it almost burst forth out of you. They were running, in my mind, they were running to tell the disciples exactly what had happened. And we know Matthew's gospel is one who singularly shows this interaction between Mary and Mary and what happened with the angel they encountered. So this is, this is very much something unique to Matthew. But at every turn, you see that there were instructions given. So it, it bears asking for us, why wouldn't He do that for us too? If you and I are looking for Jesus, if you and I are looking for His direction, wouldn't it make sense that He meets us in the midst of that search? And so they were here trying to make sense of all that was happening, and they encountered a supernatural moment to which gave them all kinds of hope. So they were told to go tell the disciples. Who were the disciples? At that point, there were 11, right? There were 11 disciples. There used to be 12. There were 11 disciples. Who was the 12th one? It was Judas. Read back a little bit. What happened to Judas? He betrayed Jesus, and then he took his life. So there were 11 as there were 11 gathering together, they were no doubt mourning. And these guys weren't the very smartest in the bunch. Most of them had varying occupations. And they never in their mind thought that this Jesus would come back, even though they were told and told and told, just like several days ago you heard that, that Jesus was doing what? That He went to pray in the garden and came back and they were asleep. They couldn't even stay awake for Jesus. You imagine what they were doing right now. They were in a time of panic. Verse 9 and 10, we see that Jesus shows up. Verse 9 says, And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of His feet and worshipped Him. Why is that fact important that they took hold of His feet? In the biblical times, especially when Jesus was around, the feet were the dirtiest parts of someone. But time time again, they said, how blessed are the feet of the one who brings good news. And Jesus' feet, no doubt, had walked a road that was God-led, even to a cross, to a grave. And so they worshipped Him and His return, they took a hold of His feet, the dirtiest portion of an individual, and they worshipped Him. And Jesus said to them, in verse 10, there He goes, giving some instruction. He said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to My brethren to leave for Galilee. And there they will see Me. The wonderful thing about what Jesus did... Jesus didn't just appear to a few people. Jesus appeared to so many people after He rose from the grave. It wasn't like Jesus said, don't tell anybody, which you have heard throughout His different discourses and dialogues. He said, you know, don't tell anybody so that He could escape or go here or go there or be able to do things. But He said in this, look, go where I'm telling you to go and there... I can be seen. So, so his instructions were that. 
while all of that was going on, you can imagine the chief priests began to scramble and panic. The chief priest had no doubt heard that Jesus had returned, and so they start saying, what are we going to do? We put him on that cross. We assured that he would have stayed in that tomb. So we've got to come up with some kind of scenario, some kind of reasoning, some kind of understanding that would explain this away. And the most interesting thing about this is, is that there have been quite a few, if not many, that have believed this lie in their mind that they were going to tell. The chief priests were scrambling and panicked and they didn't know what to do and they devised a plan that they believed would take care of the situation. So verse 11 says, Now while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave large sum of money to the soldiers and said... You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. See, the, the, the guards could have, if they had been disobedient and that had been caught and everything had been done, they had, the government had every bit of right to take their lives for what they had done and their disobedience and allowance of such things to happen. So they begin to scramble, then they begin to conspire, and then they bite into this which is given to them. They say, you know what, I will accept what you're offering, this sum of money, and I will conspire alongside of you with this lie that you're about to tell. So the disciples and others what do you think this is going to do for them? Do you think the disciples and those that were followers of Jesus decided, you know what, this, the heat is too strong. I've got to go. I'm going to go hide. I'm going to go just go somewhere. They understood from the get-go that it was very much costly to be a follower of Christ. Now, when Jesus had died, many were scared and weeped and scattered, and even His disciples had issues themselves with their belief. But he had returned. And that had no doubt ignited a passion in their lives that could not be quenched by anything afforded in this world or any kind of danger that could come to them. Some of the disciples who followed Jesus gave their lives in horrendous ways, were tortured and beaten and hung upside down on a cross. There were so many that, that still today do all of these things because of their belief. So the disciples and those who, were, who followed after them, all who were believers, were commissioned in this sense. Verse 16 says, But the eleven disciples, they proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is the important part. He has the authority from heaven and earth to say what he's about to say. 
He has all authority of God Almighty to say what He is about to say. So for you, for me, for all of us, we ought to pay attention to what's about to be said. He says, therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, go therefore, go do Tell my story. Share the faith that you have. Go change lives in all things that God might get the glory. Baptize them. Don't take any accolades for yourselves. Don't take anything for yourselves. Let it be all about me so that my message, my death, my resurrection might bring hope to the world surrounding you. So go, therefore, was the commission, meaning sent out, and each are led to do that. And verse 20 says, teaching them to observe a portion of what I've said, right? Or, or teaching them to observe just what they feel like, you know, if it just works out where they just have time for it, like many people do in church. Or if it just works out, I'll, I'll, I'll read a little bit today, God, I really didn't have time to pray today, but God, I want all your power, even though I didn't have time for you. It doesn't say that there. It says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Teach them everything that you've been taught. Everything. And make sure they understand that I'm right there with them. That's the remarkable thing about him. I have to feel like he was one of those leaders, even if he was in a crowd of people, you felt like it was just you and him. He could help you understand that his message was meant for you, for everyone at all times. So on this day, on this Easter, what does it mean for you to know that Jesus arose? There was an illustration given about this. that It was in Reader's Digest years ago. And if you don't know what Reader's Digest is, tap your grandma and say, Grandma, tell me what Reader's Digest is. It is an old periodical that used to come in bound form that you used to have to read with your eyes, not on an iPad or, or a device, but it was something that you read and went along with. Uh, it usually came in, in varying periodically throughout the year. Uh, but it says, one evening in Albany, New York, I asked a sailor what time it was. He pulled out a huge watch and replied, it's 7.20. I knew it was later. Your watch has stopped, hasn't it, I asked. No, he said, I'm still on Mountain Standard Time. I'm from southern Utah. When I joined the Navy, Pa gave me this watch. He said it helped me remember home. When my watch says 5 a.m., I know Dad is rolling out to milk the cows. And any night when it says 7.30, I know the whole family's around a well-spread table. And Dad's thanking God for what's on it and asking Him to watch over me. I can almost smell the hot biscuits and bacon. It's thinking about those things that makes me want to fight when the going gets tough, he concluded. I can find out what time it is where I am easy enough. What I want to know 
is what time it is in Utah. What does it mean for you to know that Jesus arose? It's important to understand the hope that is in His rising from the grave. That hope that no matter where you are all over the world, He's still right there with you. He is on your side. He never leaves nor forsakes you. He's always with you. So He should always be on your mind. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, if you find yourselves in service to this great country, or you find yourself on a mission field overseas, or you find yourself like right now, hunkered down in your home, He's right there with you. You've heard it said, I've said it, others have said it, that we serve a risen Savior, and He is alive today and forevermore. It means that salvation is afforded to all, in all places at all times, because of what Jesus did, because of who Jesus was. So Jesus appeared to many different people after the grave. What does that tell you and me? That just as Jesus overcame the grave, which for most people in their minds say that is the period, the ending of the sentence, which is our life. It is merely the beginning. We are able to overcome only through Jesus. You and I are given hope in the most hopeless and dire situations. You and I are, are given hope for our souls that the grave is just the beginning of eternity and eternal life if we are in Christ Jesus. That you and I can overcome all things. So he was, he was appearing to, to the Marys that were there, but he also appeared to the disciples. And what are the disciples meant to do? Disciples are meant to point others to and through him. In other words, their lives are so wrapped up in Jesus' love that they can't help but tell somebody the good news of who and what Jesus did for them. It is life-altering, life-changing when you finally realize in the depths of your heart that Jesus died and rose for you, for your sins, once and for all. It is a grave understanding in that sense that the disciples grasped. And that's why it's called the Great Commission to which Jesus had said, Look, you know, you've seen all that I've done. You know the teachings that I have taught. You have access to so many things. Now go do what you've seen me do and live out all that I'm going to tell you. Every single day, seek after me and you'll find me because I'm going to be right there with you. See, Jesus is not some far off deity that sits on a shelf. Jesus is the one and only true God that walked in your and my shoes and saw us at our ugliest moment 
and still chose to die and rise from that grave. You and I can be overcomers in Him. Thirdly, those who helped condemn Him began to panic. It's kind of like today, isn't it? Those who've rejected Jesus up to this point have also begun to be in a state of panic during this pandemic, haven't they? Those who, who, who don't have the assurance of faith in Jesus Christ have went crazy at the stores, have went crazy on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and they're worried about everything and anything when they should be worried about their souls and their salvation. Those who had rejected Him and those who still do were in a state of panic of what will I do with this Jesus? How will I explain away? How will you explain away the fact that Jesus did exactly what He said He was going to do? That the entirety of the Old and New Testament point to a Redeemer. That Redeemer was Jesus and they rejected Him. They crucified Him. He rose from the grave and lived forevermore. How will you deal with that fact? All of those are facts. They can be proven. But I love it. Around Easter every year, you hear one of those guys on, you know, with the great thick accent saying, we're going to search for the tomb of Jesus. And they make a big special, a two-hour, three-hour special. And where do they find Jesus? Do they find Him in a grave? Have they found Him? They found brothers and sisters, right? They found parents. But they've never found Him. Sure, they found evidence of Jesus' life that proved that He existed, that He was there. Documents and, and all kind of faith documents and people come and worship. But do you know my Jesus? Do you trust in my Jesus? Do you have the hope and the assurance that if something does happen in your life, that you are going to be with the Almighty in eternity forever. Lastly, we see that God has a plan for all. And I begin to ask the question, why are we panicking? I love the little adage that came along, or the little saying, or the little sign that came along, and it said, no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no hope. No Jesus, N-O, no Jesus, no hope. That's about as clear as it can be there. That if you know Him, you've accepted Him, you have hope that is never going to be shakable. That is always going to be steadfast. It's a hope in Him. But if you don't know Him, there is no hope. For today, we understand that God has a plan for all. And His plan is not one should perish, but all should find eternal life in Jesus Christ. For He didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. For all those who find themselves lost in sin this morning. 
I want you to understand that Jesus is alive. That He overcame so that you sitting there watching who have no hope could have hope in Him. That Jesus could provide a way where there was absolutely no way. That at your worst, when you were a sinner, He died for you. That means that He saw you and said, I love them. They're worth it. That if you were willing to confess that He is Lord and Savior, that, and believe that He died for your sin, and you're willing to, to say, God, I repent of all that I've done, I want hope in my life. I want salvation in my life. I want things to change. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of the temptation. I'm tired of all of these things. That preacher has just told me there's hope in Jesus Christ. I want that hope. I want Jesus. If you are willing to call on Him, meaning to just call out to Him, then He will save you. Well, I don't know all those churchy words. I don't know what to say. Just come to Jesus, just as you are. Just tell Him what's on your heart. Let Him know who you are and ask for that forgiveness. And what does Jesus promise if we do that? That He will forgive us. That He will wash our sins as white as snow. That we will be born again in Him. That means that we might in our minds recollect all that has been done wrong in our past so that we learn from those mistakes. But that bearing, that debt is no longer on our lives. Jesus paid that price for your soul that you might have freedom in Him alone. For those lost in sin, there's hope in Jesus. Will you believe and trust in Him today? Don't offer an excuse. Call on Jesus. For those who do believe, God has a plan for you as well. Go therefore, as it says in the Great Commission, as we call it, means that there needs to be continual growth by the believer so that the believer remains connected and invested in the plan of God for this world. Connected and invested. That means that that there's a continuous growth in that person. There's too many believers in Christ that sit on a pew or say, I believe in Christ, yet never ever say or do anything for their faith to grow in Him. They never serve anybody. They never tell the good news. They never share their story. They never do anything. They say, I've got Jesus. But continual growth Disciple growth is required by the believer to remain connected and invested. You ever wonder why it's so easy for so many people to stop coming to churches? It's because they have become less invested and connected to the Almighty God than they should be. There are so many people that will say, you know what, I won't, I, I'll never come in that church, or I'll never come to church because of, and you'll give a reason why. But isn't it really, when you really just break it down, an issue between you 
in your relationship with Jesus Christ? That when that is, is at its right point in your life, that none of this other stuff really matters? So the plan of God being connected and invested and then going out and sharing. What about those of you who say, you know what, it's not my spiritual gift to share the gospel. Not my spiritual gift. I want you to go back and look through your Bible if you are a believer in Christ and look for that spiritual gift. And I want you to call me and tell me what that spiritual gift is. And about 60 years from now, when you still haven't found it, let me know that too. Because we're all called as disciples, as believers, to keep growing and keep going for Him. That means that whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, you are meant to share the gospel message and use your God-given abilities to uniquely reach others. Nobody can tell your story quite like you. Nobody can tell and reach people quite like you. There are people that I will never encounter, that many will never encounter, that you will, that are waiting for you to open your mouth and tell them the good news and the hope that you have. And they're waiting for you to use the gifts and abilities that they know that you have for God's glory. So on this Easter, don't remain quiet. Chances are there's somebody in your mind, in your heart right now, that you're saying, you know what, I need to pick up the phone. I need to send a text. I need to shoot them a private message. I need to let them know in some facet, some form, about Jesus Christ. Because something might happen in their life, and if it does, it's on me because I could have said something to them. Our lives are so fast fleeing away. You and I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't even know what today is going to bring. It's worth us telling others about Jesus than for them to go to the grave never knowing. Because when someone who does not believe goes to the grave, they don't just go into a place in the land and put into a ground six feet under. To be without Christ in your life is to be condemned to hell for eternity. It's a heaven or hell. It's not a scare attack. It's, it's a reality of what life is. Either you accept Jesus Christ or you deny Him. And hell is a real place. Eternal torment and torture for the rest of your days. That means forever. The best way I can explain this, when somebody's asked me before, they said... Well, Pastor, what does it mean to be lost in sin? What does it mean to be lost? I always hear you Christian people saying lost. What does it mean? And I thought about it like this, and maybe this will help understand or draw a connection to this. Have you ever been traveling on a road and realized you were turned around or lost? All of your resources were not working. Maybe the destination on your GPS or maybe in your phone didn't have service at the moment. So you began to panic. Nothing points the right way because all of your surroundings appear the same. Helplessness and hopelessness seems to be the only destination at each turn. When at that moment of desperation, you remember 
the story. Someone tried to tell you about this Jesus. And suddenly, the lost become found. This world gives you so many different destinations that you choose to go. Roads that you choose to take. And this road that you choose in this world will lead you in all places that you never thought you would be. And when panic and hopelessness and helplessness set in, that's at the point that God is trying to reach you the most. Saying you don't have to stay in this helpless estate. You don't have to be hopeless because my son Jesus provided a way for you in the midst of all of this so the lost could be found in him. That's what it means to be found. That's what it means to know God. That's what it means to be embraced by the Father. Jesus paid it all so that you who are lost in your sin might find hope through His salvation and eternal life. Will you do that on this Easter? Will you come to Jesus who don't know Jesus? All you who are weary and heavy laden, come unto Him and you'll find rest. You'll find salvation. You'll find mercy. You'll find grace. You'll find hope that you never knew about. Freedom from your sin that you didn't think was possible. Wrapped up in the midst of His love and sacrifice. He paid it so you could live. For all who call on His name will be saved. Would that be you today? For all of us who know Jesus Christ yet live in a manner of comfortability. Meaning we don't share our faith. We're not growing in our faith. We fit church into if we have time or on our own time. When has your walk with Jesus ever been about you and your time? Maybe on today you need to say, God, you're worth all my time. Maybe you've been sitting there at home saying, I'm so bored I don't know what to do. Open up the Bible. Read what He has for you. You are not helpless nor hopeless but you are called to live in a manner different than anybody and anything in this world. Disciples are meant to go tell, to baptize in His name, to tell others the good news so that one day, when you and me are not here, they can tell others the same way. The message does not change. The method might change in the sense that you and I are coming to each other via the internet, but it still doesn't change. God's hope is still there for you. Will you live like you believe so that others might have a chance to know Jesus before it's too late? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the hope that you've given us. God, we thank you for the, for the life of Jesus Christ that gave us the understanding that Jesus struggled like we struggled and dealt with human emotion. But Jesus, being divine and yet human, paid a price that we could not pay. He willingly went to a cross, crucified for my and everyone else's sin. But He didn't stay in the grave. So as He overcame, we can too, if we trust in Him. Father God, I pray for those who are searching this morning that are lost beyond their means. God, I pray that You help them understand that Jesus is that way, that path, 
that direction, that hope that they could not find on their own. And he's standing there with his arms open wide, waiting for them to embrace him, his salvation. God, if they were to confess their sinfulness, believe in you, you have said you will save them. So God, what is stopping someone? What is stopping someone this morning? Father God, I pray for the believer who has walked that aisle or believed in you and trusted in you, God. I pray that they are with great passion willing to tell their story, willing to grow, willing to offer excuses for why they aren't doing anything else in this world, but never to offer an excuse why they don't spend time with you because you are the most important thing that has ever happened or will happen in their lives. Heavenly Father, this generation and the ones to come are betting on the fact that we will live your message boldly so that it goes from this generation to the next. Father God, I pray in all things this Easter, God, that your message triumphs over all. In your mighty name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.